Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. Our compulsory third-party team is passionate about all things CTP. They have extensive knowledge of the complexities of CTP cases and have seen everything from a heated liability dispute, an alternative blameless accident allegation, a nuanced causation issue, and an economic loss claim with family trusts and an offshore bank account, and even a claim for replacement care for the family budgie. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Australia's first driverless bus shuttle in Perth is almost two years old. Here in New South Wales, the regional towns of Coffs Harbour and Armadale have recently been approved for trials. Driverless or Level 4 autonomous buses are likely to be seen on the streets of Sydney within months. An idea that seemed preposterous little more than a decade ago. What distinction do we draw between the launch of services of this nature and the ability to back our own fully autonomous vehicle down the driveway and onto the roadway? The answer requires an examination of the state of play of the technology generally and the evolution of the regulatory framework. It's useful to start with an understanding of what we mean when we talk of autonomous or self-drive vehicles. Australian states and territories have adopted the Society of Automotive Engineers International Standard, J3016, which identifies six levels of automation. Level zero, no automation at all, not even power steering. Level one, we're talking of driver assistance, that's assistance with steering, acceleration or braking. So most of us have experienced that for decades. Level two, this is where most vehicles are now, partial automation. That's some automation of steering, acceleration or braking, but hands firmly on the wheel. Level three, we're at the cusp of what's called conditional automation, where all aspects of driving are automated, so hands can be off the wheel, but ready to take control when prompted. Level four, high automation, driver not required at all, but optional. And finally, level five of full automation, where there is in fact no provision for a driver at all. In terms of technological capability, the industry is already at the top of the ladder, level five. So what's standing between level two which many of us experience on a daily basis, and level five. In short, two things. A situation where the motoring public has an acceptable level of confidence in the safety of these vehicles and an ability to operate them lawfully on the roads. The road to autonomy has been long and complex. It's also been dangerous. Most listeners will be aware of the fatality involving a self-driving Uber in Arizona in March of this year. Elaine Hersberg was pushing a bicycle laden with bags across a street when she was struck. Investigators concluded that it was entirely avoidable. The Level 3 automation in place didn't prompt the driver to take back control. Of course, the vehicle failed to detect Mrs Hersberg when it ought to have. Accidents such as this are known as edge cases because the vehicle software encountered scenes or objects it didn't recognise for the simple reason that they hadn't been programmed into the training data sets. 
Given that the real world is full of things that cars, sensors and software have never seen before, these edge cases and their attendant fatalities will inevitably continue. As these issues are progressively overcome during trials in many parts of the world, public confidence will ultimately reach the point at which regulators will permit commercial operators onto the scene. Increasingly, we'll experience the public transport scenarios like that in Perth. But level four automation for cars is not far away. Google's sibling Waymo is currently leading a pack, including GM and Daimler, by testing such vehicles on passengers who aren't just its employees. No one has yet demonstrated at level five, which you'll recall represents the ultimate level of automation where there is simply no provision for a driver. So what's the likely timeline? The most aggressive forecasts have the majority of people driving their own cars for at least the next decade. Chris Urmson, founder of Aurora Innovation Inc. and one of the pioneers of the field, recently predicted that level four vehicles will be on the road in real numbers in five to 10 years. It's a movement driven by a commercial juggernaut. Analysts are predicting that a massive new economy will spring up around the industry as it grows. Boston Consulting Group says it will reach $42 billion by 2021. That's just three years away. Let's turn to the regulatory position closer to home. To address the disparate approaches to regulation thus far taken by Australian states, transport ministers have agreed to a phased reform program so that level three or conditionally automated vehicles can operate safely and legally on our roads before 2020. Victoria, along with New South Wales and South Australia, have now passed legislation to regulate driverless car trials. State and federal governments have pledged that by 2020, the National Transport Commission will oversee the development of a national law around autonomous vehicles, helping guide manufacturers and operators looking to commercially introduce the technology onto Australian roads. Currently, most of the nation's traffic legislation assumes there is a human driver in control, whereas with level four and above automation, there will be an automated driving system rather than a human in control. Here in New South Wales, the legislative platform for the trial program is found in the Transport Legislation Amendment Brackets Automated Vehicle Trials and Innovation Close Brackets Act of 2017. Its purpose is to, number one, authorise the approval of trials of autonomous vehicles which may not be otherwise permitted. Number two, provide for adequate insurance cover to protect against physical and property damage. And thirdly, to provide modification to laws that are human-centric. The Minister may approve applications for testing autonomous vehicles for specified periods and subject to any conditions. Crucially, the law requires a public liability insurance policy of at least $20 million to cover damage caused by or arising from the use of a trial vehicle. Unlike some recent US laws, the New South Wales law still requires a human presence in the vehicle. This vehicle supervisor must be approved and must have a valid license. The human must be in a position to take control of the trial vehicle at any time or to stop it in an emergency or if required by law enforcement. Approvals for trials are conditional on the operator reporting accident and collision data. Importantly, the human is legally deemed to be the driver of the vehicle. Trials are currently being undertaken in New South Wales by the state government and Transurban 
involving the 120 kilometres of transurban motorways that make up the Sydney network from the Harbour Bridge to the M7. Manufacturers participating in the trial are Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Audi, Hyundai, Lexus, Volvo and Tesla. Data from the six-month trial will be public released later in the year and the trial will extend to country roads in 2019. Liability is obviously a hot issue. Who's to blame when accidents happen? As we've seen, the 2017 legislation permits use of autonomous vehicles on public roads only where a driver is in a position to take control at any time. For well over a century, tort law has centred on notions of control, whether it be in the context of loss arising from property damage or personal injury. Acutely aware of the potential riches that await them, Manufacturers have made public statements from time to time about their willingness to accept responsibility for any loss resulting from Level 3 automation or above. Just last year, Volvo Australia Managing Director Kevin McCann reportedly urged the federal government to mandate that all manufacturers are deemed liable for accidents that occur in full autonomous mode. A regime of deemed liability for Level 4 automation and above makes a lot of sense. There are shades of grey associated with what happens at level three automation, but there seems no good reason why legal liability shouldn't stay with the driver, who must remain in the driver's seat, ready to take back control. A number of amendments will be required to the Australian road rules and associated laws to clarify that the person sitting in the driver's seat is still in control of the vehicle. For example, even if they don't have a hand on the steering wheel, but that's fairly readily achievable. Valuable guidance is available from very recent developments in the UK. There, the Automated and Electric Vehicles Bill has encountered a rocky road since 2017. It was finally passed and received royal assent in July of this year. The Act requires compulsory motor insurance to be extended such that the motor insurer will be legally liable for personal injury and property damage caused by an automated vehicle driving itself. It is the vehicle as a legal entity, not the driver, that is insured. The quid pro quo for this extended liability is that the motor insurer will be given legal rights of recovery against any other person also liable. The government has structured the legal regime this way in order to achieve a number of things. Firstly, to make sure that third parties injured by an automated vehicle driving itself can claim against a motor insurer in the usual way rather than, say, have to make a product liability claim. Secondly, to provide the disengaged driver of the automated vehicle with the same rights, since he or she has, in effect, the status of a passenger when the car is driving itself. And thirdly, to permit motor insurers subsequently to recover against vehicle manufacturers and software houses and the like, where they have paid claims in the first instance because the vehicle was driving itself. This UK Act preserves the Law Reform Contributory Negligence Act of 1945, which will apply where the accident was to any extent caused or contributed to by the victim of the collision. However, the insurer or owner of an automated vehicle will not be liable to the person in charge of the vehicle where the accident that it caused was wholly due to the person's negligence in allowing the vehicle to begin driving itself when it was not appropriate to do so. The Act has no easy answer for those cases where there is evidence of unauthorised software alterations or failure to update software. 
There could be major disputes as to whether or not the insured party was aware of any such failings where a third party contractor is involved. It's likely that contribution proceedings will be brought against anyone who provides defective software or fails to update software adequately on behalf of the otherwise innocent owner. This legislation will doubtless be examined carefully by Australian lawmakers because it goes some way to addressing concerns that have arisen. But many remain unanswered. What of the reliability of the software? How accurately will telematics explain what happened in an accident? What happens in the scenario where the driver takes back control when the insurer argues that it was not appropriate to do so? The mind boggles at the thought of what possibilities could eventuate, for example, if a driver, upon taking control after seeing a pedestrian heading towards his path, then swerves and collides with another vehicle. Inevitably, there will be a period during which fully autonomous and conventional vehicles will share the road. Sorting out liability in accidents will present challenges. Here in New South Wales, those injured in motor accidents won't have to wrestle with many of these issues in order to receive compensation. The issues will, however, be very much enlivened for those who seek longer-term statutory benefits despite being mainly at fault. For example, in the pedestrian scenario described a few moments ago, or those seriously injured who are entitled to common law remedies. They will also be relevant, of course, for CTP and other insurers seeking recovery from manufacturers and others. Differing approaches to reform will be adopted by the states and territories due to their disparate schemes and priorities. Inconsistencies of approach may present a significant barrier to entry for international motor vehicle manufacturers. This would be a shame, as Australia has an opportunity to become one of the first countries where automated vehicles are widely deployed. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.